cliffcentral.com. This is the second in our series, a special series, uh, to celebrate something really, really extraordinary in South Africa. Uh, it is the 40th anniversary of Hunt Lascaris, the legendary advertising agency that has broken all kinds of rules and all kinds of records and uh, keeps bringing home the bacon in terms of trophies. And one of the people who is my special guest today is Carol Soames. And Carol, they tell me that behind the scenes, you're actually the golden thread that holds it all together. Wow. I mean, wow. That's incredible. And I heard that from on high. So okay. I know it's true. Well, to be honest, I've been back 30 years. I joined prior to that, probably 38 years ago. So I've been part of it. I suppose you could call it a bit of the glue, the super glue, as someone That's said. It. Yeah. And I think for me, there's always been a magic. And, and Rena talked about it earlier. There is an incredible magic that comes with this building and this name and this office. And it's around the incredible people that have journeyed through it. Well, you, you've been there to see some of those people in and out and to keep it all going, which is really what I want to get into with you just now. So, Carol, uh, for those who don't know, is the Group Operations Director at TBWA Hunt Lascaris. And she joined back in 1986, am I right? That's right. Um, to help set up the systems and the processes. There were only 15 employees at that point. It's a different world now. We did everything <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Staplers to um, to Aren't hiring we? people to which building you're going to be in to making sure there's toilet paper in the loo. Everything, right? Everything. Everything. <laughs> to the point that I sat on reception and answered the phone. Because right. Because someone needed to have a lunch break. So it was never about it's not my job. Yeah. And I think that's what's really been the journey for me. Well, we'll talk also about how that's changed, not just for you in terms of your job there, but how other people view their jobs these days, yeah. because I don't know if it's the same. And our other guest today, I'm thrilled to have uh, the creative director, executive creative director at TBWA Hunter Scaris, and his name is George Lowe. George, it's nice to see you. Good to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that you've worked on in your time there and some of the things that you're still planning to do. Um, and you sarcastically said that you may or may not have asked ChatGPT to write a little bio for you. So we also inadvertently are going to have to talk about what's going to happen in the future and whether you think things like artificial intelligence might actually end up taking the place of some of the people, even in the creative world. It scares the hell out of me. I probably imagine it scares you too. 100%. Yeah, no, everyone's talking about it, how it's going to change everything. Yeah, it's definitely… We're, we're thinking about it. Carol, George looks like an advertising guy, right? Most incredible writer ever. Uh-huh. Really. Yeah. Well, that's, that's high praise. Kudos. From someone who's seen as much as Carol has. Well, thank you, Carol. Oh. <laughs> so, guys, I mean, I spoke to Reg and John last time, which was really, really special because I don't think the two of them have been in a room talking like that for a long time, reminiscing a little bit about the past. It's a lot of nostalgia. But really, when I watched the, the reel that was put together, which I think will make a lot of people cry, it'll make a lot of people uh, smile, it'll make a lot of people laugh, it'll also give goosebumps to a lot of people. Um, it's quite something to have been in the position that TBWA, Hunt Lascaris in this case, has been in for the longest time. And Carol, you've seen the ups and downs too. And it's worth also reflecting on the downs because as much as – Everybody wants to trumpet their successes to the world. 
and there are lots to discuss. Um, very few people are actually comfortable with talking about the, the lows, and you talk about filling in for a receptionist, but you've seen a lot in your time. What are your, what are your most pleasant and unpleasant memories about the place? So the tough times for me have not been as often as really the good times, but I think to get through tough times, it, it takes someone and people who are really strong. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that are part, what, that's part of Hunter's Garris's DNA is to disrupt hmm. and to think outside of the box. Well, that's in the DNA. Right? And that is in the DNA. And yes, people come and go. And yes, some core people have stood by those tough times. And I think I'm super proud to say that we've come out of them and we go forth even stronger. Is it true that, that the advertising through rate is higher than for any other business? I mean, that you, you people come in, they go. Yes and no. Got... Yes and no. I think you will have natural attrition. I think the global market is, is a very shiny place for a lot of creative people. And, I mean, and you, even you, client service. But you guys have also launched the careers of absolutely incredible people who are yeah. now in powerful positions all over the world. So one of the notes that I did write down this morning when I woke up very early yeah. was literally some of the super talented people that have come through the doors of our office have gone on to become industry leaders globally. And I think, wow, I mean, that is just unbelievable. And the nicest people. A lot of them are my friends to this day. So, yeah, kudos to John and Reg. I think they set up a place that allowed people to to have a bit of space. Um, as John often said to me, the world is your oyster at Hunter's Garris. It depends if you grab it with both hands. And it's always stuck with me. And I think you've got to have the good and the bad, the tough and the successful, to make it a really true place because that's what – makes it stick together. That's the glue. And I think there are a number of people that have become part of that glue, um, as they call it, super glue. But yeah. All right. So George, what this is, this is something that always has perplexed me looking from the outside in. Um, creative people need a lot of space and they need to be able to do whatever they want and be as wild and especially in the kind of work you do. Um, insane, cre crazy, clever, uh, brilliant, sometimes cross the line, sometimes come back over it, sometimes break things. But there's also, there's got to be a little bit of discipline. There need to be some strictures around particularly doing stuff for clients where you kind of have to have this very weird balance. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would say that absolute freedom is daunting. And yes, it doesn't always facilitate the best work. Uh, sometimes you need those tight parameters of a, a focused brief, a small budget, limited time, just something that actually forces you to go beyond the normal and find an unexpected way in on a problem. Um, so, yeah, I would say that in as much as you think that creative people love all the freedom in the world, we do like a little bit of focus and a little bit of um, some boundaries just to kind of focus that energy because otherwise you go everywhere and you get distracted Quite easily, a lot of creative people do get distracted quite easily, and we go off on tangents, and you know, we lose the we lose sight of the brief sometimes if, if whilst we're working. But you also need to <laughs> you need to explore in order to to find your way back home. So, yes, it is a it's a fine balance, and and I do think like one thing I've always appreciated about 
Huntless Car is, is that respect for the creative process. Uh, it is a business, of course, 100%, but we're not in that business just for the purpose of, of making money. Like a lot of people there just respect the idea, respect creative thinking across the board, across the different departments. So, And that you do not get in every single agency. You'd, you'd expect that, but, but you don't. And, it, and I suppose it's also good to have a bit of a mix of people too. You need the more analytical, more structural, more process-oriented people, and then you need those ones who just go ape. <laughs> yeah, and I think like a lot of people do also look at the creative process and creative people and think they're quite scatterbrained. And the reality is a lot of really good, really smart creative people are actually quite logical. So there's that duality of, you know, yes, you you do explore and you try and find the most outrageous way in on a problem, which is all that a brief really is. It's a it's a business problem. Um, and you need that creative spark, but then you also need the, the logic to sit down and say, okay, how does this solve the client's problem? And how can we logically tell that story in a way that people just understand it and get it and can get on board and can get excited by it? Um, and, and I suppose that's also where you come in, Carol, because you have to see and mm. you have to know everything yeah. and make sense of it. Yeah. I mean, operations in an ad agency is a very complicated thing in itself. Yeah. Lots of moving parts. So, yes, there is a very clear process, but you never want that to come in the way of creativity. And for me, I mean, I think I've worked with, honestly, some of the best people in the industry globally have have been through our doors and I think it's to allow the space for people to play, but know that there's always, there's always a moment where you'll be reined in. And I think as John always said, you've always got to shoot for the North Star, you know, and not every job is about for show, but there are some that are definitely for show. Um, and you know, sometimes you've, you've just got to attend to the, the problem on the brief. And sometimes it actually allows that creative spark. And I think it's about creating the space for the creative team to actually fly and you can't be too rigid and you can't be too fixed on boundaries, but there are certain rules. So you probably are in one of the more unique positions to be able to figure out because I tried to get this out of them, but obviously they, they, they're both very humble men, John and, and Reg, but from your point of view, what did both of them have in terms of strength that made this such a great partnership at the beginning and allowed the agency to grow out under them. Mm-hmm. And many people with, you know, perhaps better ideas and fresher or looking at things in a different way could come in and, and solve those problems that George was talking about just now, that they're business problems. Mm-hmm. But what was it about Reg and John that, first of all, they each brought, and second of all, that they did together that mm-hmm. worked so well, well in I your think, opinion? I think Reg had an incredible relationship with our clients. So there was that honesty and partnership. I think John was always pushing the boundaries. Um, there's no doubt. Um, taking doors off. And- taking doors off, knocking walls down, <laughs> um, changing it up. And I think his sort of mantra was that the best work needs to come out. Um, and we'll say sorry later. And I think it was Reg's job to, to humbly go in later. and say sorry later. <laughs> but the, I do think there was an incredible connectivity between the two of them. And our, Reg understood the creative process and John understood what Reg needed to do from a client perspective. And I think between the two of them, they built some incredible relationships with industry people in big corporates, mm. um, which sure 
it goes a long way. I mean, some of these relationships with some of your clients stretch back all 40 years. Correct. You know, they've yeah. trusted you guys yeah. to do everything forward-facing for them from the get-go. Yeah. And they've been tremendously successful as a result. But then they're obviously going to be those ones that break down along the way for various reasons. Yeah. Um, do you recall any projects, and you don't have to name them, but do you recall anywhere you just couldn't wait to get the hell away from them because it was just hell from from an operations point of view yes. in your case or managing the relationships or even everybody on the staff saying we've just got to get away from this? No, definitely. It happens, right? Absolutely it does. But I also think that that you go on a journey in an agency with a client and it's a partnership. And I think that's something that has been built and George, I'm sure will attest to it over the years of, of actually the best work being delivered, even though it might not be on time, but it's the right work. Hmm. So you, you guys have just received for the fifth year in a row, the fast company, most innovative company. This just came out this week, actually. Hmm. I mean, this is just another accolade. And I joked with Reg and John that you've run out of space for all your awards, but you actually have. I mean, a lot of them are in boxes, right? We've brought a lot out of boxes, and uh, you, you must have? come and have a look. We've done a boardroom of the most beautifully bespoke wall of shelves. Oh, wow. Literally where all the work is. No pressure, the, huh, George. You walk awards. in there and you go, oh, okay, well, we've just got this brief. Uh, you look around and go, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I mean, Hunter Scarius, I feel, has always been – from the outside, quite an intimidating place. And 22 years ago, when I was somehow fortunate enough to get an interview there, it was very intimidating. I, you didn't know like, if you're going to have what it took to, to actually make it in a place like that. Um, but at the but same time… they had a great reputation. And exactly. Them, right? So you yeah. thought, I, I better have my wits about me. Yeah, they were doing the absolute best work out of all the local agencies at the time. And it was… It was exciting, but like I said, it was quite an intimidating environment to walk into because there were all these legends, living legends walking the hallways. So, yeah, it was terribly exciting for me to, to do that as a younger man. I'm still young at heart, but um, <laughs> yeah, and, and from, from the first day, I think I just knew. And I think like people that work there just know that they belong or don't belong. I think clients also figure out that they either love how we work or they, or they don't. And I think now we've formalized that process and we've said we're into disruption. That is what we do. And I think clients who like that the message resonates with, they know from the moment they walk in the door, it's the right agency for them. How much do you think has changed over the time in terms of the, the creative process and delivering the goods for the clients? And, and how much are you still allowed to play? Because we do live in a world where, to be perfectly frank, we have to watch that we don't do damage because there's a whole lot of noise on social media. There are a whole lot more inputs. You know, you used to have to do research for things. Now people see a tweet and shit themselves and immediately cancel something. Yeah, I know. As, a, as, a, as an agency, you in some ways a custodian of your client's brand. So you do need to be sure that before you put something out there in the marketplace that um, you're not – crossing any lines or, you know, insulting anyone or, mm -hmm. you know, making light of something that is serious. And, and these days, yeah. with respect, you could say it's a beautiful day and someone somewhere will go, no, it's not. How dare you say that? Exactly. If you're sensitive, you could pick that up and it'll put you off an otherwise brilliant campaign or idea or slogan or logo or corporate imaging, whatever it might be. Yeah, I think 
the one benefit though is that most of the clients we work with, they know that no matter what you do, there's always going to be someone who has something to say about it. And the fact that you can put something out on social media and yes, you'll get five people complaining. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a problem. Hmm. Uh, I think there's a difference between a few voices speaking up and, and having some kind of issue and knowing that you fundamentally crossed the line. And I don't want to mention examples. I think we all know some recent examples that in the news where companies did cross the line and it, yeah, it has some damaging effects to that brand. But at the end of the day, we still do the same thing we did 22 years ago when I joined. An idea is still an idea. The packaging changes and how we execute and where we execute changes. You know, we, we maybe don't go onto TV as frequently as we used to now. Digital has to be a part of, bigger sure. part of that package. Yeah. But an idea is still an idea. And an idea that, that is disruptive and stands out doesn't matter where you put it. It's still going to have an effect. So we still believe in that fundamental thing that we do. These are creative people. They're not a machine. And that's always what's been so remarkable for me is these are people cracking these big ideas. And sometimes it's, it doesn't come through and sometimes it does. So sometimes you've got to work out what is your length of time, how long, mm-hmm. who do you need on it? Is it the right you, you team? you could come up with a Mona Lisa, you know, or you yeah. could come up with uh, yeah. with nonsense. Yeah. It, it all depends. Yeah. But, but you're the one. So John said something really nice about you, which I'm sure he said to wow. you in person. <laughs> but he said, you know, Carol keeps us honest which I think is a really high praise, first of all. Wow. And he Thank wouldn't you. say it unless he meant it. No. But I think it's also true because you have to make sure that whatever that duration, that process is, there's a result. Yeah. And I think for lots of people, advertising looks like a lot of fun from the outside. It looks like it's just a playground and people like George go crazy and have, you know come up with wacky mm-hmm. ideas. And a lot of it is you know, the, the impression that we had from Mad Men and from – the, the 80s, which were a whole different kind of madmen in terms of, of what the world is, was like then. But, I mean, you've seen it all from that point of view. It, it, the reality and the fiction are actually quite different. Yeah. They work, we work hard. Ah. I think that's the big thing. It's a lot of hard work. Yes, there is fun. Um, but you've got to create a space in which people can be creative. I think it's got to be – it's got to have – Sometimes the boundaries have got to be down. You need to be agile. Mm. You do need to be able to let them think outside of the box. But, I, but I'm thinking you're also the one that there's going to be someone working in an office at 3 a.m. Safe. You have to have safety. Yeah, but I mean, not just safety, but you, you have to, to have the right tools. You've got to create a place where people can. Correct. Because especially through things like COVID, mm. that must have even for you, who's <laughs> really you've, you've been able to manage a ton of different things over the 40-odd years here, yours, 30, 38 or whatever it might have been. But you that was a bit of a curveball too from an operations point of view. It took us five days to get everybody out of the office and connected. Wow. Literally That's on how we were going to incredible. Yeah. I saw it coming early March. And I wow. remember going up to Luca and saying to him, I'm a little concerned. You know, wow. My job is to worry for you. <laughs> Um, and literally within two weeks, we were out of three sand down and in our homes. And is everybody back now? Majority, um, are back about four days a week. 
I think okay. there are people consistently that have worked through COVID, which I was. I got the permit. And then we went. We actually did our second pitch on MTN in the midst of COVID of 2020, mm. which was incredible. It galvanized mm. us as an agency and worked out how we needed to work together. Um, and, yeah, we won it, which was incredible. But, yeah, I think what it taught us was how agile we actually can be and how much we can actually move from manual into a digital space. Um, so all our scheduling, all our meetings, everything was done on Teams, sure. smart sheets. I can look at schedules now remotely if I'm on holiday to see but what everybody's it's, it's working on. It still needs someone in charge, right, George? I mean, Carol's saying, I think, in a, a highly complimentary fashion that creative people come up with these ideas, not machines. But as I said at the beginning, there's a lot of artificial intelligence coming in now. There's stuff that chat GPT can write that may be a good first draft, but it maybe we'll get to a point where it'll be good at doing the final edition. Does it, does it does worry? Does it crack the concept? Does it? <laughs> I think the way I, I like to think about it is that all, all of these new technologies are just tools. Mm. I mean, there was a time before photography existed, before digital photography existed, before Photoshop existed. Mm. Every now and again, every couple of years, there's a new technology that comes in and it changes everything. Um, that's why you have some art directors still reminiscing about Letra set back in the day and all these old technologies that don't exist anymore. Sure. And there's always a sense of disruption for a couple of years when people adjust to that new technology. So right now, from a writing point of view, from a copywriting point of view, we're looking at ChatGPT and going, okay, what is it? What is it going to do? How is it going to change the industry? And how can we use it? Because mm. um, it will do certain things. It'll do certain things very well. But at the same point, point at some level there is that human spark of magic that you do need. i mean carol's shaking her head but <laughs> yeah. but if it if it can deliver a first draft for you cheaper and quicker hmm. you you would be shaking your head this way maybe i probably would <laughs> but i don't think it takes away from that yeah. that absolute creative spark yeah no no um, no and i think that's always going to be a human thing because yeah. how do you explain yeah. a sense of humor to a machine yeah and they're getting better at it, don't get yeah. me wrong. And they're able to write average comedy. And they're able to draw a pretty bizarre fantasy picture. If you say, I want to you know, see a picture of Elvis playing tennis, it can generate that. But I, I still don't think it would be as good as some of the best artists in the world sitting down and coming up with their own, their own when conditions. I, literally, when I started, there were no computers. There were, there were only yeah. typewriters. So everything was done by hand was traced, it was letter-setted, it was scraped out on tracing paper, wow. and it would go down to the production house to try and assemble it and put it in to sort of a printed format. So, I mean, that and, took hours and hours, and now all of that is done inside the agency on Super And while, while we're talking about how it used to be, how has the office changed? An ad agency, you know, people think of today as, as being – you know, this collaborative workspace where everybody kind of has the idea of a modular mobile office. You can do it from here. You can do it from there. You can move around. You. This is something that started in advertising long before mm. we all had to work from home or any of that stuff. Mm. But even so, it's changed yeah. in the last two years and more than ever. It's going to continue to going, change. Right? Yes. So that's the, that's the dynamic that we're trying to work with now. Obviously, for the last two and a half years, nothing was done mm. in a space 
we're slowly starting to clean out spaces. Where do you see it going? Quite sort of bespoke areas where people will work. Maybe spaces where there are no meetings and it's for you to work. Hmm. There, maybe there's potentially meeting areas where you meet. You know, teams calls when, it, you know, it's fine if you're in a boardroom and you're having a meeting, you close the door. But now you're on teams. Hmm. Not everybody's in the office all the time. And, of course, you've got people in Cape Town and Durban. Correct. And people overseas. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. The, the problem, though, not the problem, the, the one thing you can never do over a team's call is get that human connection. Mm. So that certain for certain kinds of jobs and certain kinds of challenges, it's perfectly fine. Yeah. But nothing, I believe, will ever match the energy of a couple of people sitting in a room and actually just throwing ideas back and forth and scribbling ideas on little pieces of paper and slapping them on a wall and debating and discussing there's a human interaction thing that happens that sometimes I believe leads to the most unexpected ideas. And you can get some of that through a computer screen, but not all of it. So even if we, we move to a hybrid model where we do a lot of remote working combined with some in-person working, I, I think there will always be a place for in-person human interaction in the idea space. So, George, the thing I always ask um, musicians, because it's the, it's the thing I'm most jealous of, is their ability to write a song. I mean, I've always looked at that and thought, what a thing. If you could leave the world with one amazing song, you will have done God's work, right? How do you know when you've written something or you've come up with an idea and you just know this is going to work? How do you know it's going to work? Because there's so many things that – we see and we we marvel at this. We go, this is genius. This I don't. But it might have happened in the most bizarre way possible. And is it is it once you've got it past Luca or John, or is it once you've thought about it yourself for long enough, or does it is it just like an aha moment? The truth is, you don't always know. Mm. Sometimes you'll have like just the the start of something, and you'll get that sense, you'll get that jolt of energy and you'll know that you're touching something interesting. Mm. But until you show it to someone else to validate that, you won't know. Then and again... What, what if you go to them and they say, oh, this is horrible, but you you just know there's something good there. Can you fight and do you fight and is it worth fighting? If that feeling is stronger, there are instances, and this is very, very rare, any creative person is lucky to have five of these in their life where you just know. And this is very, very rare, like I said. But sometimes you just know. And you instinctively, you put down your paper, you put down your pen, you stand up, you take a few steps, you take a deep breath, you have a sip of water, you sit down again and you look at the idea again and you just know. And then you'll just message your, your work colleagues and say, I've got it. <laughs> yeah, but, and that happens, yeah. but, but it doesn't happen often. The average day is, is more where you, you feel you've got things that, or the start of something, and other people have to help you mold it. And you, you send those, knock those ideas back and forth, and someone well, builds like, on it. Uh, Archimedes with the, with the, the weighing of the crown and the bath, and he jumps out and goes, Eureka, runs down the street naked. You haven't done that, though, George. <laughs> I haven't done that in, in many years. I'm sure, though, you've at some point seen someone running down the corridors of Huntless Garris naked. No, Carol? Even in the early no days? No comment. Not even with an idea? <laughs> I, I know you're laughing because advertising does also have this very sexy image, right? Because advertising is sexy and exciting. And for a while, it was, it may still be, one of the coolest jobs in the world. 
And you do get to work with these wacky people. It's not like working with just a bunch of accountants. No. We love our accountants. Don't get me wrong. We wouldn't be able to do business mm-hmm. without them. But it's, it's also fun to just walk in to a place where people are throwing things at each other Crazy. and screaming and singing and shouting and turning things over in a temper. And this has been part of what you've experienced too. That's the space that you need for people to flourish. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Takes a, a strong uh, will to put up with some of it though. You do need to equip um, every creative and people with the best equipment, the best Wi-Fi, connectivity, the yeah. tools. It is important. You know, I think as easier as as sort of Adobe suites have made work, it takes massive memory on computers. So they are special order machines, you know. So we've been fortunate. And you don't want them blaming their tools. No. <laughs> so you make it easy for them. Yeah. Um, I would just add to that a, a good a good measure of, of how um, an agency's end product, how, the, how that will be, is, is the kind of variety and diversity of personalities you have in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hear what you're saying. Like often the, the, the expectation is that you are going to have those louder, more crazy, wacky type people in that environment, and you do. But I think that the magic comes when you have that, but you also have the more the quieter, more introverted people. And sometimes you have, they come up with the best ideas, and, and sometimes just because they're quiet, they don't get heard. And and I suppose it's also the job of a really great agency mm-hmm. to quiet down the loud ones, so that the quieter ones, the ones who aren't looking for attention in the background, can have their say. Some of the genius comes from there. 100%. Exactly, and and it's about mm-hmm. when you really get to know people, you understand what their strengths are, and you play to that. Mm-hmm. And and some people just love certain things. A simple example is a lot of creatives love music. Mm. And there's a lot of room and scope in what we do to, to use that uh, when it comes to music for commercials or radio campaigns or whatever it is. Use that music strength. When someone has that ability, then let them do that. When someone is good at poetry, let them explore that. When someone is good at you know, painting. I'm, I'm thinking of Nathan with the, like, he wants a certain smell drifting through the air. I mean, these are the kinds of things you have to handle. 100%. Right? Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> but I do, I think it's up to, and some incredible leadership at the agency. I mean, I, I look at Pete, mm. Pete Curry. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, if there's a man that can spot, as George says, the start of a, a brilliant idea, it's Pete. And I think it was also one of John's gifts. Um, I think Carabo, you know, also, um, is, is can spot and see when something's really going in the right direction. And I think that's special. What are the more ridiculous things you've been asked to facilitate and make available <laughs> in the office? I'm sure there is a long list. Too long, but I think it's about the environment for people. It's the space. Well, I but, think, what, like a, a tennis court? <laughs> you know, we've done, we've asked people to come in and work over the weekend for a whole weekend. Uh-huh. We feed them. And, we and, do a braai. Okay. We do a fillet braai. We do a, a Sunday roast. Right. Um, we make sure that there are enough snacks and treats for them for the weekend that it's not, Oh, well, I've got to go out and buy my food now. We make sure that our staff are looked after. And I do think front and center for this agency has been for staff. It's about the people. It's about that talent. And yeah, it's just 
building that place where it's it's okay to do what you need to do. Have you ever said no, or do you say that a lot? I do say no. Do I, George? Yes, no, sometimes. You have to say no sometimes. It's, yeah. No is one of the most powerful words in the English language, and it's yeah. carefully used. It can achieve more than yes sometimes. It's not easy to say no mm. when you know it could help enhance someone's day. Sure. Um, you know, and I think COVID taught us a lot of that, of how do you, how do you align yourselves again um, and, and, and get into that touchy-feely people thing? Because I think a lot of people struggled in COVID. Oh, yeah. Beyond what even is discussed. Um, and we would send a food hamper to people, to their family who were sick. You know, it got delivered with whatever you needed for the week. Your soups, your fruit juices, lovely salads, homemade chicken pies. So I think there's a, there's a real connection with, with people. Um, and it's right from the top. It's not just something that's driven by in, just one person. But it, but it is very difficult to look after people and, and it takes a huge amount of sensitivity and thoughtfulness. Mm. And that isn't necessarily related to the business. That stuff that you need to make sure is there, that glue that you were talking about, mm -hmm. so that the business can be done. Because Absolutely. if someone is worried about whether or not they're going to eat that day or if they're worried about a sick relative, you're not going to get yeah. – there's nothing George can do to get the best out of those no. people. Mm. If you don't solve those problems for them, they can't solve your problems for your clients. Yeah, It is about being in connection with your staff. Super important. So what do they do when you, you take a week or two off? How do they manage? I've got a great team of people behind me. Okay. And I think I've got a project management team that are the super glue with me. Mm -hmm. I've got a facilities manager who's incredible. Um, yeah, there are people that, that I've trained and that work with me. I think we're a team. It's never I. It's, it's us. Um, that, that drive that. I mean, I'll jump in on that. I think that's actually one of the, the more powerful things about this agency is that people are empowered to do their thing. Um, so when, you know, a senior person is out for a couple of days, it's not like it's free reign. You can do whatever you want, but it's, it's, we're empowered to step in and step up to bigger and higher responsibilities. Um, it's very, very unlikely that if, if you try and do something new or interesting or bold, that someone's going to come and stop you and hold you back. And that's been something that I've I've seen from when I very joined the very first time more than 20 years ago to this day. And I think that's fantastic that it's not a culture of continuous micromanagement. Mm -hmm. It really is the case that if, if you feel you've got something to do, something to add, a way to make a project bigger or more exciting or more interesting, then people let you go. And, yeah, it doesn't always work, you know, but through failure we also often learn really amazing lessons. And I think that that's just such a positive attitude to have. Let people push themselves and see what they're capable of. Um, and then everybody learns. It's not like you want to see them exactly. fail, but when, when they do, there's a net to catch them. And you, uh, you do better on the next one. I mean, George, I'm just looking at some of the, the brands you've worked on, MTN, Nissan, Sassel, Pedigree, Flight Center, a bunch of others. I mean, you've won tons of awards too um, in, in terms of the work that you've done. It's it's really cool 
to win these awards, how important do you think they are to the rest of the agencies, to the clients themselves, and then to the public? Well, let me start with the agency. I think they're very important because there's a big job to be done just in terms of sense checking how well you're doing. And it's one of the measures. There are other measures as well. But it tells you that you're playing in that high echelon of creativity. So you need that. You need, uh, whether it's Can or One Show or Lurie's, you need mm. them to say that what you're doing is of a high standard. And so you need that validation. Um, from a client point of view, yes, it, it'll matter more to some clients than others. Um, I think some clients expect it, honestly, and there are those that they actually demand it in a way that because they want to know that they're working with the best. And then to other clients, it might be less important because the KPIs that they're measuring it against are even more important. The public probably aren't really aware of of creative awards um, in any meaningful way. I wouldn't imagine. I mean, there's some there is press obviously every every year around the, the big award ceremonies, but probably the average person on the street isn't mm. acutely aware of. But they know a good ad when they see it, or when they hear it, or when they experience it. Talking about ads at dinner parties and oh, yeah. suppers. It's a, it's, and a, it's a constant conversation, mm-hmm. which, yeah. is, which is also kind of gratifying. You ever sit somewhere and hear someone talking about one of your ads and go, that was mine, but I'm just going to just chill here and smile. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that has actually happened on one of the two occasions. Yeah, and you do feel nice an feeling. immense sense of pride. I mean, mm-hmm. otherwise, it, you know, your, your dad might say, hey, did you do that one with a hippo? And then you always just say yes, whether you did it or not. Just <laughs> Well, I mean, it's also nice to work in an agency where there are enough awards that uh, you can claim a part of them. And yeah. very often there's collaborative work going on. So it's not one person's. No. It's a team. Yeah. yeah. It's not one person's victory. Mm. Well, I mean, there's a reason that you had to redo the boardroom with all those shelves. And uh, it's it's kind of, that's a great place for us to end this because when, you know, we look back on 40 years of incredible work and people and relationships, mm. it's it's nice to see that it can objectively, as George says, be evaluated mm. and that you guys come up trumps. But it's a great pleasure to actually spend some time with both of you. And it's nice also to give some of the credit to people who are doing the really heavy lifting behind the scenes like you, Carol. And there are probably a lot of others who you represent yeah. during this process. But I'm delighted that we got to pick your brain a little bit about why it's been an incredible 40 years and why it will continue to grow into the future. And I think, uh, you know, George, may, may you and, and the rest of the guys who are doing this hard campaigning and coming up with ideas and making it all into tangible things, um, may you continue to deliver the goods as well. Because I think the story is probably only 40 years out of who knows, 100 that have been written, not even middle age. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Very cool. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. What a pleasure. So a nice to talk yeah. to you. Good. Thank you. Cliffcentral.com